You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for a week number something of Survivor uh, Memorial Month. Uh, <laughs> Survivor <laughs> <Nostalgia> Day. Month. <laughs> well, after last season, let's be honest. Uh, so let's call it Survivor uh, Tribute Month, uh, Nostalgia Month, Survivor Month. Uh, went for a couple of seasons they're barely talking about survivor i think rossi did a couple of times throughout the season but we're all on the bandwagon as season 40 winners at war is about to start and we have a very special treat as one of the episodes here we're going to be bringing you is going to be going all the way back to the year 2000 and an audio commentary of the very first ever episode of survivor uh borneo that is season one we get to see the first ever winner richard hatch who unfortunately will not be on the upcoming season. But uh-huh. um, we have a couple other people on the last season to thank for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point. But um, before we even get in the episode, uh, kind of curious, Ben. Oh, let's let's start the episode here. <laughs> What's your name? My name is Colin. <laughs> my, my name is Colin, and I... I like Ben, not in a homosexual <laughs> way, that's for sure. And my name is Ben, and I'm a redneck. I don't know corporate world at all, and corporate world ain't going to work on this podcast. It never has. <laughs> that's why we make no money with it. <laughs> you don't. Uh, oh, oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> this will be my last episode ever on the Oz Network. Whoops. Um I think we were just coming up with ideas of what we could do, you know, and I think it's cool to kind of go back to the very first episode. I don't know. The last time I saw, you know, Borneo was years ago. Um, it was probably, I don't know, four or five years ago, the last time I watched it. And every time I watch it, it always just seems more and more foreign. Like, what is this show? It's so different, but it's still such a compelling season. Uh, just before we even start, you know, the, the commentary here, just curious, have, did you watch this one for the I, I for some reason, I remember you got into the show through Australia, but had you seen anything during Borneo? No, I, I was day one. I, I, yeah, I watched this from the very beginning because um, I remember uh, it being advertised in Australia. We, I was really into the mole. We had an Australian version of the mole, which kind of was on about a month or two before this had even started, and then the ads were on, and I'm like, oh, that looks similar to that mole show I watched. I might watch it. So. Yeah, I watched it from the very beginning um, and absolutely loved it. So, yeah, I, I think I just absolutely fell in love with it during the Australian Outback, but was still pretty much hooked from the very beginning as a 13-year-old. 13-year-old Ben! Imagine what I was like then. I haven't changed much, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, for, I mean, it was the same for me. I knew about the show before it ever came out. I think before it was even advertised on TV, uh, I remember seeing... It was some type of like news story or it was like on you know Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood or something like that. I was saying there's a new show this film. This was probably around like February or March or you know, whenever they actually were filming it. And they had a couple of behind the scenes clips of people on a beach and they sort of described this new show that was gonna be, you know, people living on an island, you know, with no uh, assistance or anything and all alone and that they'd vote each other out one by one. And I just remember hearing about that and just waiting. I can't wait till I start seeing this thing on TV. And yeah, I was there like very first episode. I remember sitting down, waiting for it, watching it and, you know, kind of begging the rest of my family to watch it for a couple of weeks. And it took probably till about week three before I got anybody else in my house on board with it. But it took like no time at all before everybody in my house was like, oh, Survivor's today. You know, it's just 
I, I think it completely took over. Were you watching this alone? Were you a solo watcher? Um, I think so. I think my dad did watch some of it. I don't think my mum ever got into it, but I do remember the finale. Um, I had a friend come over back when I used to have friends and I remember <laughs> talking to him about like, oh, this is going to be on tonight. Like, this is really exciting. And we were all very excited to see who would win that night. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I mean, my dad got into it eventually because dad would, I remember dad watching Australian Outback in Africa with me, but I can't quite remember if he was into Borneo, but cause I'm, I think we were about a month behind. Uh, we weren't getting it live back then. Um, so, but this is also, of course, you know, internet, things like that, spoilers and all that weren't a huge thing. So, um, you know, you could have things in Australia delayed and they used to quite often be very delayed when it came to, you know, the big shows at the time and we would never be spoiled. You know, you couldn't get away with that today, but, um, yeah, I think, I think I just locked myself in my bedroom and watched it like I did with most things in my life. <laughs> we're, we're back to bed, lock himself in the room. Don't come in! <laughs> Dad, <laughs> watching Survivor! <laughs> Can't you watch porn like a normal teenager? Shut up! <laughs> uh, no, it's funny, just before we start here, uh, we mentioned the finale because I wasn't sure if we'd you know, get to talk about that at any point, but uh, I did have the spoil for me, and it wasn't internet. Like, you, you, you understand how to avoid things on the internet, even though those early days, but uh, my family and I, we'd gone camping for like, I think three or four days straight. And the finale was going to be airing during that time, which I already was disappointed that I'd have to wait to watch until I got back. So I recorded it. And uh, I remember my mom had a, a friend who had, come out to visit us like on day two or three and they were like oh we saw survivor and like, don't say anything <laughs> shut up <laughs> shut up um but i'm like i'm gonna be able to avoid this there's no way it's gonna get spoiled for me and on the way back you know we stopped uh to go to the bathroom in some town in the middle of nowhere and as i'm walking out of the store i see right on the front page of a newspaper you know million dollar winner with richard hatch's face and i remember thinking <laughs> myself being so disappointed but thinking to myself maybe this is, you know, just trying to fool us. Like, I was doing everything I could to convince myself I didn't just spoil the whole season, even though he was the one I wanted to win. Uh, but uh, so disappointed when I got home, and I'm like, oh, I've had this spoiled. But still, it was great to watch. I mean, I don't think there's any way to ever go back and uh, make people realize, you know, even if you read the headlines, just how big this show was in 2000. Like, it, Australian Outback, obviously, you know, ratings-wise was bigger, but this is a summer show. I mean, I, I, I still don't think there's been anything on TV like it since then. I just finished reading Mario Lanza's book and kind of can't recommend it enough for people who sort of were here at the beginning to kind of take you back and, and realize what it was like back then. And he does a really good job of really going into the details of exactly what you're saying, how big it was. And, I mean, it was crazy. The finale of Borneo was, what, the second most watched show of the decade, uh, non-sports show behind mm-hmm. the finale of Friends. And you, you just can't fathom that. I think it was about 50 million people who tuned in. I mean, that's more than the pop... I think that you add the population of Australia and Canada, and that's about 50 million people. So, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. absolutely crazy to think you have that many people tuned in. And this is a summer show. This was kind of just put in the <laughs> summer uh, season, which... You know, the only time we've ever had that really of Survivor, isn't it? So, and I mean, it's it is kind of the the cliche to say this helped change the landscape of TV, but it's it's true. We it's not the first reality television show ever, 
but it's definitely the one that really set the standard for what we now know 20 years later is just commonplace on TV. I mean, we have networks, mm-hmm. entire networks called reality networks based purely on where Survivor <laughs> set the bar high and all the clones that you had following this, shows that would go on to be bigger than Survivor. But yeah, you, you couldn't escape this. This is what you were talking about and whether or not you watch the show or not, I mean, this this was the Star Wars of TV in 2000. You just you yeah. couldn't escape it and just to put it in perspective you know a year before survivor what most people in north america consider to be reality tv was who wants to be a millionaire mm. uh, which is a game show uh, but a game show in prime time that was doing 35 40 million viewers and people at the time were saying this is the biggest thing you know of the decade and one year later you get 50 million viewers and just Again, putting in perspective, the Friends finale, that was the finale to a show that had been running for 10 years. So you had 10 years of people getting invested in this show. This was three months and you get the same amount of viewers, essentially. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Um, what we're going to do here is we're going to if, if anybody wants to watch along, if not, you've probably seen the episode. and We're just going to be talking about various things throughout. But play along with us here. Uh, we have it queued up right at the beginning of the episode. So if you're watching it just sort of pause on the black screen before you hear Jeff Probe's voice and see people walking uh and we're going to do a countdown we 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 do this often for our Double Oz 7 show which we started uh, we though need... we should really mention we we have technically done a commentary of this episode before sort of yeah. i mean when we didn't take yeah. them seriously <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which we say that yeah, now, and let's be honest, 20 true. minutes into this we're going to be talking about chickens or something like that but you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like back in the old days of Survivor Oz, uh, we got through several seasons of commentaries. But again, that's just, you know, more an episode. This this is a more in-depth thing. And and we're more professional nowadays, aren't we? Um, Yeah, it's January. So, no, we're, we're professional <laughs> at this point of the year. So, you know, yeah. Ask me that in a few months. One of us is disagree. being paid. Yeah, <laughs> one of us is being paid to be professional. It's not me, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we need a word to get. We're going to count it on three, two, one, and then on our word, you can pr- press play. What are we going to use for this? Homosexual. All right. <laughs> but not in a homosexual way. <laughs> not in a homosexual way. All right. Are you ready, Ben? I am very ready. Three, two, one. Homosexual. <laughs> but not in a homosexual way. Oh, this music. Uh, previously. On Survivor. Uh, <laughs> you see Mark Burnett and Jeff Probst sitting in a room. Mark Burnett decided yeah. to hire Jeff Probst. Just this music, okay, though. I... This whole, like, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And then we get into the dun 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 Oh, just gives me chills. Did you um, ever see the behind-the-scenes DVD they put out, which was sort of like a highlights of the whole season, but then they had all these special features on um as a uh, bonus yeah i would have i mean i've got it i think it came with the dvd set but i remember before they yeah, ever released it as a dvd set they released this in australia had one too didn't they because i remember um in our local video store they had them but i could never watch them because they that was they were region one and this was like when dvd players were new and they didn't have things like unlocking DVD players or multi-region DVD players. So I think I rented them, but I couldn't watch them. So I think I never got to watch them properly until I ever got the DVDs. Mm. I, I said it took till about the third episode before I got my family into watching this. I don't remember. I wasn't recording the first two episodes. It was sort of like, well, that was such a great show. Uh, but then when the third episode came, I started recording this week after week. And, and again, just 
put this in perspective of the year 2000, this series ended and they immediately started replaying it every single day on CBS with like some bonus features at the end and interviews and everything. But all that behind the scenes stuff, like, I mean, there's Mark Burnett's book, even this boat ride. Mm. If you remember, one of the special features was just kind of a compilation of scenes from this boat ride before they got to this point. And I, I think I saw that, you know, around the time Australian Outback came out and the, the contestants were allowed to talk to each other. Like they got on the boat and there were scenes of Richard talking to Jervis. Oh, hey, how's it going? Where are you from? Whereas as soon as this season was over, they're like, no, nobody speaks until the season starts. I mean, that, that's something right there that's completely different. Well, you mentioned the book. Uh, I've actually, I'd never read it. And I'm actually in the process of reading it now. I'm about a third of the way oh. through it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's really, really good. And just learning a lot of stuff, particularly from these opening bits. And I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about kind of the target switching on to, to Sonia. <laughs> Sonia. And, it, you know, potentially mm. Richard was very nearly one of the first voted out. Um, and a lot mm-hmm. of that comes down to a scene that's discussed in the book around Richard basically confiding in Kelly about being gay, um, which is never shown. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that that this book kind of tells you, which is fantastic. Um, but, I mean, look, I don't think there's ever been a season covered extensively as much as Borneo, weirdly enough, even though, like, they didn't know this was going to be a success. Like, you know, we've got that special mm-hmm. features DVD, you've got the book. Um, and, I mean, these people were bona fide celebrities after this season. So oh, yeah. it's just it's just weird watching this back now because this is this is one thing that really uh, baffles me or kind of just upsets me a lot about Survivor now is that you we have the generation divide clearly, but people now who've grown up on modern Survivor go back and watch this and think it's boring. Like it's just mm-hmm. like just I get it's different. It is very different to what we watch, but. The, the DNA is here. The, the, everything is here that is the show still 20 years yeah. later. It's just done differently. And I'm an, I'm an old school fan. I, I love this character development. I love learning about these people, watching them survive, and just watching a show that you don't have to have idols and twists every five seconds to make a great show. And Borneo proves it. And just watching this right now, like... Oh, imagine if you did this today, like a five-minute <laughs> clip of introducing every single person like this as they slowly turn to the camera. And if you'd ever seen Mark Burnett's Eco Challenge, hey, wasn't she in the animal? Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, wasn't he dead before he died? Um, <laughs> the host, the half, the um, <laughs> Oh, we're, we're going to... Uh, oh, great viewers. Some of those interviews are- <laughs> Uh, the most downloaded interview ever on Survivor. Uh, yeah, hands down, easily. Um, still to this day, and yeah, crazy to think that we got him. It was just one of those moments where people were like, "Oh, you should get Greg Buell. You'll never get him." And I'm like, "Okay," and we got him. So we'll <laughs> oh, <I> get him. <laughs> um, I was mentioning, like, have you ever seen Mark Burnett's Eco Challenge? No, I whether it was before, like. I see more of Eco Challenge in this than I see Survivor, which isn't a bad thing. I love Eco Challenge. Um, I didn't get into it until after Survivor because it wasn't really uh, televised. After this came out, anything Mark Burnett touched, they're like, you know, prime time and it's a huge deal. But this is very similar to Eco Challenge just with the narration as opposed to, you know, the contestants telling the story, Hmm. uh, which makes it even weirder when you get to the challenges and you realize there's no narration at all. (laughs) It's like, we want a lot of talking from Jeff Probst, just not during a challenge. It's also really interesting watching this kind of 
because I've been doing a lot of Australian Survivor archives download now via iTunes. And, you know, we've obviously gone back to go into the very first Australian Survivor season and people often just rip into that because, you know, it was boring, it was crap, and they talk up the newer version. But I've tried to spend a lot of time as we're going through the first season of that really comparing it to Borneo. And it is. There's so many similarities between the tribes, how the game plays out and everything along those lines. But um, even just watching the way this is done and just sort of talking about a bit of narration and... Yeah, and Rudy, the very first confessional in the history of Survivor, goes to now the sadly late Rudy Bosch. Oh, that, you want to talk about celebrity status? Mm. I mean, was there anybody who was bigger than Rudy? I mean, the guy got his own GI Joe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, Richard kind of comes out of this, and a few others, but no, Rudy, Rudy takes a cake. I think when it comes to that, and you got to think. I mean, how old was he? Seventy-two here. Yeah. So seventy five in you know all what stars. Else is, this is crazy. You know what else is really funny because I I remember you know just going back to nostalgia here, uh, watching throughout the first season and every single week you'd turn on the TV and there would be like you know all these different TV shows would have polls who's going to be the next to go on Survivor and the audience was completely different at this point too because they they just hated anybody who played the game like the alliance was completely evil but also anybody who wasn't like. You know, a survivalist like Jervis, people hated him. Ramona, people hated her. Sean, people hated him. It was like people were watching this even halfway through the season, so compelled with the storyline of this alliance that was ripping everything apart, but yet still thinking this is supposed to be a show about survival. And you, you got to wonder how much Mark Burnett expected because this show is dictated by what the cast do. And maybe he did put people together who would he figured would potentially form an alliance. But did he think this was going to start as a survival show and evolve into, you know, a gameplay or, or did he expect this would be eco challenge, you know, on an island? And I think a lot of the players too have that, don't they? Because Gretchen famously talks about how she just thought this was a survival game. You know, BB was kind of somebody like mm-hmm. that. Like these, this is where it's so unique to watch this now because when you think of survivor you just think of this real game bot you know strategy idle game whereas this is just developing into something that that ultimately would get there but it's just this is again why maybe it's just people like us because we've been there from the beginning we experienced what it was like and we experienced all that feeling around people watching this show that alliance was a dirty word and all this sort of stuff that you just can't fathom today but this is why i, I can never not if I want to watch Survivor again, I have to watch it from the beginning because I just love watching that development. And I think that anybody who ever wants to get into Survivor, they say, oh, what season should I start with? I always say start from the beginning because yeah, if you started watching modern day Survivor and then all of a sudden goes, oh, I'm going to go watch the old stuff, you're already tainted. Whereas if you watch from the beginning and don't know much else, then you're just going to develop along with the show. So, Well, you also see that the game evolves. I think that's the thing everybody misses they'll watch the last couple seasons they're like well let me go in and do that and they don't realize the game's going to evolve a little bit each season and every few seasons you'll get like a drastic evolution but when you watch from the beginning you can start to pick apart okay when did people start to think when alliance was okay when did people start to think that you know uh blindside was okay and there really i don't think there would be a way to completely prepare to play to survivor but if you watch from the beginning, you get that this this is something that's dictated by unpredictability, and you can't just play a strategy because once it's been done once, chances are it's never going to work again. Like, this alliance would never work a second no. time. 
But look at Richard here. I mean, just sitting in a tree. Oh, the sitting on the perch. Just literally yeah. <laughs> sitting down while everybody else is doing everything. And, I mean, two things right here. BB, uh, not BB, sorry, Rudy, you know, being bossy. That's not going to work today. And Richard sitting in a tree being lazy. That's not going to work today. But, I mean, again, this is yeah. day one. And here's our famous Sue Hawk, you know, I'm a redneck moment. And imagine that even working today. Like, every time there's somebody who's I'm take charge or, you know, I'm going to sit in a tree and, and you know, talk about what we should be doing, you wouldn't get somebody calling them out. And, you, you, I mean, Sue's imagine her trying to play today. They would just sit there and they'd bite their tongue. Yep. And they'd talk about it in confessionals, but they wouldn't say a single word. They'd just, they use that as leverage to try to turn everybody else against them. Here, nobody had thought about the idea of, Hey, you know, have did you see Richard up there sitting on his perch? <laughs> the thing that I love too, and again, this can be just connected back because we're we're day one viewers or whatever you want to say it. But to me, I've always said, and I still stick by this: that you the per, the first three seasons of Survivor, you can bring anyone back, anyone at all, and I yeah. I think that easily. You know, they are the most complete cast. The only other, the closest cast I think you've got to a complete cast besides the first three seasons is China. Um, I mean, look, personally, I love One World, but I mean, you know, I'm not going to compare that to other ones. Shut up. Um, But, I mean, you just think about Borneo here and literally every single person on this season, just so amazing. Australian Outback, Africa, just absolutely perfect. I'm not trying to take away from Marquesas and the season that follows, but, you know, you do slowly start to get a few kind of duds from those point on. But, I mean, look, even this one, the so-called duds like Dirk, Stacy, you know, I mean, Ramona. Imagine if all of a sudden, season 43, you know, Ramona's coming back. I'd lose my shit. That'd be incredible. Like, I, oh, I, yeah. that'd be, I would be the same with Dirk and Stacy. I mean, Stacy would be an absolutely fantastic one to come back after all these years with everything that happened with her after this mm-hmm. game. So, just little things like that. And just what, again, adds to this season. And I implore people who do struggle to watch this or kind of don't understand it compared to today to just... Yeah, put yourself in that perspective of this is a brand new show. We didn't know anything else about this. Mm-hmm. So you have no choice but to feel connected to these people. And again, that's that's what I love about Survivor is probably ahead of anything else. It's the people and getting to know them and their personalities and everything else that just follows after that to me is a bonus. And I think they were also trying to cast more as a character show because Mark Burnett didn't know. Maybe he had an idea that you know, uh, strategies would start formulating, but he was simply casting the most compelling cast he could think of. So everybody was completely different. Whereas now you get a lot of people who are similar because they want people who are similar to play together, or you get people who are polar opposites just because they want that confrontation. This just feels more natural. Do you know what else? This is complete side note here, but I find it very interesting. Like Richard Hatch has a bit of a sunburn on his neck. His cheeks are a little red. It's something very unusual, the fact that his moobs are sunburnt, but the rest of his chest is pitch white. Like, how do, how do your moobs get burnt like that? They're sticking out a lot more. Um, <laughs> but uh, do you remember, like, because, I mean, this is the thing. You're watching this for the first time. You automatically, again, we know nothing different. So you're forming your, your opinions of these people and you're starting to like them. Do you remember watching Borneo and who you really liked and really disliked the very first time you were watching this live? Oh, yeah episode one like i finished episode one and richard was like hands down my favorite uh and again that was not 
normal for the time period. Uh, Richard was probably one of the most hated contestants from the beginning. Even Rudy. If you look at Rudy, I thought Rudy was great, but probably took about half a season for the the audience to really get behind Rudy. It started with everybody thinking he was an embraceable man. Maybe they just couldn't tell the difference between him and BB. They're like, <laughs> two old guys. <laughs> uh, which one was the abrasive one? Which one's the funny one? I don't know. But like those two guys, I love them from the beginning. Uh, Jervis, you know, I prefer the more charismatic characters. I thought Colleen was cool. Greg took a little while to grow me. He was definitely funny, but I don't think he really stood out episode one i think that's something that kind of grew over time but even bb like come episode two i mean him washing his shirt in the drinking water i mean that's a classic moment for me i i wasn't really as interested in you know the generic young cast like jenna or uh, ramona or like the pagong joel uh but i think jervis and colleen would probably be the standouts from that and then on the toggy side you know richard and rudy from the beginning were easily my favorites I remember being, you know, I loved Jervis. I just, Jervis was always my favorite um, and just always really, really liked him. And I just, I also really liked Sean. I, I just don't know why. I really liked oh, Sean. Yeah. Um, and I just, I loved the Super Bowl. I, I loved the alphabet strategy. I know we've had debates about that in the past. I think in our rankings episode when I was trying to defend it, which I, I will still loosely defend. Um, but it's just, mm. it just, just fun. Um, I, I don't remember my thoughts on people like Richard and that, to be honest. Um, I mean, I don't think I ever disliked him. I think going into the finale, I wanted him to win over Kelly. Uh, like, it, it took a while for me to develop the Kelly love that I have today. But, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there was any one that I ever really disliked, you know? I never bought into the Colleen thing, You know, though. uh... I will say, I, I've never, like... I was more on the Elizabeth train next season. I never got the Colleen train. Colleen was just cool. She's not trying, you know? I think that's the, the, the cool thing with her. She just comes across very natural, almost the opposite of Greg, who's trying very hard to be entertaining. She just seems like this is naturally who she is. You know, she doesn't care. Uh, and there's people, I'm not saying that's like Susan would be, you could describe the same way, but it's different. Um, but you know, Colleen just has, she has like a very natural charisma. Uh, also, I guess opposite of Jervis, not saying Jervis tries really hard, but Jervis and Greg, those are guys who are big personalities, big jokes. Colleen doesn't really have to say much, you know? Hmm. And I'm going to say this. She's not that bad of an actress in the animal. I mean, she's the female lead in a Rob Schneider movie. I mean, (laughs) what more are you going to expect out of it? With, um, actually, the exciting thing is, coming soon to the Oz Network Australia vs. Canada month, you'll be watching The Castle, and the lead in The Castle is Michael Caton, who, of course, is the mad scientist in The Animal. So, um, there you go. Random connection to Australia. Um, I don't know, is it this episode when they're going through the the water, it's like, okay, so we need to boil this, and Rudy's just downing, like, half a liter? No, that's all No, Rudy, again. what, what? That's all stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because they're there talking about, like, you can get, like, this, and Jerry's like, you could boil it, and you got to die. And then Rudy's just like, I drank worse uh, water than this in Vietnam. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> oh. I was blinking, drinking the blood of my comrades mixed in with that water. <laughs> this is one thing I would love yeah. for them to do. I love how they zoom in on Sean's um, pierced nipple there. <laughs> And then, what, Sue, just might... day one, I'm going to cut my hair yeah. off with a knife. <laughs> Um, the one thing I would love for them to do moving forward, if they come up with a season idea is I've always said like a redux, like just Borneo rules, like complete 
100%, 16 players, no artists, no nothing, and actually go back here to play our Tiger and film it. Like, that would be epic. Like, season 50. Like, make it the last season and just say, okay, this is it. 16 people, no idols, no twists, no tribe swaps, and we're filming it the very original one. This is how we're going to close it out the same way we started it. Look uh, at the doctor with band-aids. <laughs> oh, Sonia, I love Sonia. Mom loved Sean. My mom had a huge crush on Sean. Dr. Sean. He's, he's, he's active. He's working. <laughs> he just broke the chair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's a bit oh, of a here we go. He's Sonia on the ukulele. <laughs> I gotta be honest, though. Like, Okay, I could appreciate this now, but... At the time, as a teenager watching this, I was like, this is the worst old lady I have ever seen in my life. Play ukulele. You and your uh, old lady hate. <laughs> Look at Richard oh, sitting on. there loving it, tapping his foot. You, you a 13-year-old boy going, oh, man, I just wish that was my grandma. That is my grandma. She played the ukulele to me every <laughs> night. Um, notice how some of them are not wearing buffs. Like it's, it's it's pretty much a requirement now that you've always got to wear your buff. But there was a buff there in the background on the the clothesline, so obviously not that strict back then. Well, even the um, the wardrobe choices, because when you look at the recent seasons and cast members have even said that, you know, they will you'll you'll submit these are some articles of clothes I want to bring, and they'll tell you, okay, bring this, this, and this, because they mm-hmm. often try to match your shirts and your shorts and your bikinis to the color of your tribe. Mm-hmm. And the rats, the infamous rats that we they ate on this season. Again, you just don't see this anymore. You don't see hunting for food often and just like little things like this that I really loved this aspect of Survivor when you watched it. You know, I, I have to wonder if Australia is one of the reasons for that because it may seem like a weird connection here, but in Australia, the gameplay definitely took off compared to this, but they did reach a point where they were so hungry and they were so weak that I, I remember well past the merge, there was one or two episodes where it was just boring to watch and nobody was doing everything. I think they even made that part of the show. Like everybody was just miserable. And I think that's probably around the time where Jeff came in and said, okay, I'll give you some rice or whatever. But when you have people that are just that hungry, that malnourished, that weak, they just don't provide as good TV. So I think they try to find environments now where there will be fruit and more fish and stuff like that just so they can get livelier casts. Which is very interesting because, you know, a lot of people do complain about the you know, Australian Outback. Like the first half was great. The second half was boring. And again, I'm not one of them. Again, I like watching the people. It's, you know, like... People, <clears throat> excuse me, people love gameplay and voting out and blind sides. I get it. That's why some people watch Survivor, but... Yeah, it's never bothered me. I like watching the characters. I like watching them suffer. I like watching Tina swimming <laughs> across a river to save the rice, you know? I, I Just things like that. Like, you, you know, you're not going to see Nora doing that. No offense to Nora. I love Nora, but... <laughs> Look at BB. What a Construction man. Construction carpentry master. <laughs> what a man. That, you got to tell the story about the interview, or at least recommend it if people haven't heard the BB interview. Yeah, so when we eventually found him, he um, didn't like. He said yes, and then he said no. <laughs> so he kind of like changed his mind. Uh, so we had to kind of like 
re-talk him into doing it. He eventually did it. But, um, yeah, he wasn't the easiest person in the world to interview, basically. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, a mixture of his age and the fact that I don't think he really understood my accent too well. Uh, we had that very great moment when I asked him about, um, you know, what did you learn about Jeff Probst or three things? And he's like, who? And I'm like, Jeff Probst, the host, the who, the host. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> Good. I think I actually even edited it. I think it went longer than I actually you hear in the episode from memory. Like it's just this five minute exchange of the who, the host, the who, the host, the who, who? Oh, I don't know what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> so, but I think sadly, like he passed away only a couple of months after that interview. So um, unless mm-hmm. there's a hidden BB interview out there that we're not aware of. I believe we were the last um, interview that he ever did. So, yeah. It's, and, like, it's sad because I'm sure if you go back and listen to a bunch of our episodes, there was that ongoing joke for a very long time that BB was dead. I, I don't know why it was a joke. It was just a thing. Um, and then he did die. Um, so, which I think is... We've lost six now survivors, haven't we? And, um, you know, a few of them do get forgotten along the way that sadly they're no longer with us. What is on his shirt? I think it's his family. Is it? I think oh, that he's just got some random kids on his shirt. Like, oh, these kids yeah. are cool. <laughs> there's little Jimmy. I'm going to put little Jimmy on my shirt. And there's little Kylie. And, you know, um, I love now, his glasses. I love, like, yeah. the, the glasses the, the purple... with the rope on it. Yeah. Do people wear them anymore? Who? Uh, well, I mean, he, he doesn't. He's dead. Uh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Glad we could confirm that. <laughs> Look at this. Cut gong tribe. Slow-mo shot of a flame burning. Oh. But, like, I mean, even, like, you, you listen to the editing. Like, every single, like, transition into a new thing is a... Oh! Yeah. Like, that kind of gets a little bit annoying. Um, oh, I can't wait for the gong. Ah, uh, yes. And the, is this the conch shell as well? Mm-hmm. So that's always yeah, or I think they started that on, like, episode two or three. I love also the confessionals uh, with the big ribbon around their names. Like, it's not just yeah. BB, Pagong Tribe. It's got, like, this fancy piece of, like, paper underneath it. So, as far as the Borneo people that have not been interviewed, um, Susan's never been interviewed, has she? No, I think the closest we ever got is I think we got a number for her and left a voicemail. But, um, you know, I don't think we ever had any communication with Sue, which just oh, it sucks so much. Because, like, she's just one of these icons that you just want to have on the show. And Colleen wasn't interviewed. Stacy wasn't. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much outside of the, outside of Sue, we'd at least talk to other people. So, yeah, Colleen, well, when I say talk to Colleen, I mean, we talked to her past managers and they basically said that, you know, we'd get a request once a week for something survivor-related and Colleen would always politely say no. So, you know, we every time we thought you get close, you didn't. Um, Dirk, we never did, but Dirk politely declined. But I think a lot of that was his connection with Stacey. Um, and he was, I think, involved in the lawsuit. But, I mean, he was very polite about it. Um, Jenna, we never got Jenna, um, which yeah. we we had conversations with Jenna. Jenna's quite active on social media nowadays. And Jenna would always say yes, but I think a lot of the times when we were trying to get her, she'd just given birth to a, another child at that point. So <laughs> A lot of the times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every we time I've had a baby. Um, she's like Robin Amber. That's just her excuse. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has no children. She, she's honestly someone now that might, 
but I, I yeah, I don't really know the need to have Jenna Lewis on. I love Jenna Lewis, but uh, nope. and yeah, Stacey, uh, we got a you know after pestering her enough, we got a final. Please don't contact me again. I'm not interested. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we had a brief conversation with Stacey, so that's as far as we got. Oh, props there into the camera. Look at you, um, though. Look at him. And I know I've mentioned this on other episodes before, but uh, when I saw this episode and saw Jeff Probst was hosting, I almost tuned out because I I had this hatred for Jeff Probst because he was the host of Rock and Roll Jeopardy, <laughs> if you ever remember that. And I used to watch the show because I'm like, hey, you can get some of these questions right. It's not as hard as Real Jeopardy. But I just thought he was like so annoying. And maybe a couple weeks into the show, I'm like, this guy's really good. And I remember hearing an interview with Jeff Probst later where he talked about it. He's like, you know, I I was doing all this other hosting stuff like Rock and Roll Jeopardy and uh, these other shows. And it just wasn't a fit for me. I'm not a guy who's, you know, hey, welcome to our show. He's like, I'm not a game show host, but put me out there in shorts and, you know, a t-shirt and, you know, let me rough it a little bit and kind of, you know, stir stir up some trouble with people at tribal councils that's how i'm comfortable and i totally get that like if, if you were to ever go back and watch what jeff probes did before this you'd be like this guy's a terrible host like how how is he ever going to have a career but here it just it was a perfect fit the book goes into a lot of detail about sort of going into jeff sent like a a scrapbook or something like that of like little ideas that he wanted to make him stand out and sort of mark burnett um i think really fought for him to be the host um, whereas I, th- there was, it doesn't name the person in the book, but there was like, it got down to two people and essentially, um, who's the CBS president, Les Munez or whatever his name is. Like, yeah. um, you know, it just basically came down to his decision and Bennett was like, Oh, what about probes? And like, Oh yeah. Okay. We'll go with him. So, <laughs> and 20 years later, yeah, sure like, no, matter, no matter what you say about Jeff, uh, he's still going 20 years later. So look at that idol. Colourful. Is that the only colourful immunity idol we've ever had? Uh, well, there's been some other ones with a little bit of colour. Okay, we got to talk about Jenna for a second because you you said you're reading the book. Have you gotten to the points where they're they're because Jenna? If there's anybody, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you know, I got a bad edit." If there is anybody that got a good edit, it was Jenna. Mark Burnett's book tells a completely different story about her and what all the crew thought. Have you no, read any of that? I'm not up to that bit yet, but I'm intrigued about this. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll just start by saying uh, week after week, the entire crew was convinced that Jenna was going to be the villain of the season. Because what they saw there, they're like, this girl is our villain. And it was only, I guess, after the the whole thing with her missing the video with her twins that they're like, well, we're going to portray a different story for her. But I just, I would love to see some of this other footage because it's not just Burnett saying, yeah, she was like a real villainous character. The entire crew thought she would be the villain of the season. Which is intriguing because I always regard Jenna quite highly based on her All-Stars game. I think she's one of these players, you know, if you do, if we went back and did our top 10s, and maybe we did do this as a top 10, uh, you know, top 10 players who ever changed their game a second time around. I mean, Jenna Lewis has got to be in that top 10. I mean, she was, what, a, a foot away from winning uh, All-Stars. So, um, yeah, but I'm intrigued to read about that, actually. I, I was never one of these people, I think, who really was against her being on All-Stars either. Uh, again, I think that just falls into that mould of I've always thought anyone can come back from Borneo. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, Jenna was a character. Like, 
you know, you don't... This is what I think some people do lose track of with Survivor when it comes to returning player seasons, is that you don't always have to be this game bot, you know, amazing player to be on a returning player seasons. If you're a decent character, mm-hmm. that's enough. I mean, I mean, look at all winners. Um, there are definitely some on there that don't fit the mold of good player or character. I mean, okay, they won the game, that's unfair. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, this challenge is just so icon. They didn't they was it Cook Islands that they did this? No, Heroes vs. Villains yeah, they did this. Um I'm trying to remember. I know they Look at the crew it. in the background there, just quickly. You can actually see. Like just yeah. I love these early seasons watching like the really obvious cameras that they try to hide. Like there's a camera there in the top shot there as well. Like just little things like that. It's just it's crazy to see. How long did this challenge actually take? Because it looks quite dark now compared to when they started it. I From the book, when just reading it, they were saying that there was kind of done, because it was all de- down to do with the tide, because that little area that they're on was kind of, you know, only exposed on both sides at a certain time. So I think it was like basically at twilight, clearly, because uh, you can see it's getting dark, as you said. Mm. But just this is the calmness here of Jeff. Pagong, you win. Here you go. <laughs> you win. I like it before you know when he so- was like, don't put me in a position where I have to make a call. I don't want to be in that position. <laughs> You you look at this cast right here, and I think unless you watch the first episode, you don't realize some people developed over time. Jervis, one of the biggest characters this whole season, he has nothing to do or say in this episode. And yet it's funny because I was playing the DVD here, and there's sometimes a glitch in my DVD where when you choose play with no audio commentary, like they say, do you want to play with audio commentary? You choose no, and it keeps playing the audio commentary. So I tried to get this going three or four times, like, hi, I'm Jeff Probst, I'm Richard Hatch, I'm Jervis. So I, I, I thought for a while I wouldn't be able to watch this without the commentary, but, like, Jervis doesn't do anything in this episode. Like, when did he become a character? Was it with the grub in episode two? Yeah, I'm guessing it'd have to be. I mean, there's definitely some people in here. I mean, Greg's invisible this episode too, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a little bit of Sean. I love this, like, like lighting the torch. and I mean, look at this editing, like... Weird zoom in on slow mo. Oh, back to the fire again. Bit of a blurry fire shot. Oh, an overhead. Um, like it's not the polished production we have today, is it? <laughs> but that's kind of the appeal of it too. Oh, so much. It's like this is just you can see. Oh, here's another flame. Uh, you can see <laughs> the same flame shot from earlier. That flame has had more airtime than Jervis. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, like, it's just, this is the appeal again. Like, this is what I think people need to understand. That, like, in 2000, no one had seen this before. This was just so unique. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, think about some form of show that would start in 2020 that we've never seen before. I mean, I can't think of it because if I could think about it, I'd be a television executive making millions off my idea. But, <laughs> you know, th- there will be a show this decade that will come around and it will be like nothing else we've ever seen before. And right now in human history, we don't know anything about it. This was what happened on May 31st, 2000. This was so bloody unique that we were like, oh, mm-hmm. this is this is intriguing. Like, wow, okay. And it grew week after week. Like, I remember the first episode, people were like, wow. It got like, I don't know, like 18 million viewers. It wasn't like something astronomical, but for a summer series, like, again, put this in perspective. Summer series didn't exist at this point. Uh, This was still in the age when summer was just reruns of the shows from earlier because nothing drew ratings in the summer. And this show is thrown out there the end of May after sweeps is over and it's doing what would be considered very good ratings for something during, you know, September or November or February or another sweeps month. 
And then week after week, it was just more. It was it was if you watch the ratings, it was just another two million viewers, another three million viewers, another four million viewers. And like you would never get because now, no matter how big a show is, you sort of peak with the first two or three episodes and then it'll slide from there. And that's just considered the norm. When would have been the last season of Survivor that we really had a nice long build up that remained consistent the whole way? Because I really do think we fall into that trap in modern Survivor that the first episodes are fine. Uh, they can be good. I mean, Islands vs. Idols actually has a pretty good start, um, and then kind of it falls away. I mean, I if I dance that quickly myself, to me it would be, and I, this is an unpopular opinion because I like Heroes, Healers, Hustlers, but um, it's either that or... I don't know, Cambodia? Game Changers, Cambodia? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people say Dave V. Goliath, but I'm not high on that season like everyone is. No, I might even go as far as say Kegan. Hmm. Look at this slow mo replay of the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Let's what? just zoom in on her failure. <laughs> Pause it, circle it. Here you can see, Colin. Sonia <laughs> falling over here in the water. Do you think this is exactly where Toggy fell down? Yeah, I, I want to see Jeff Probes doing like the sports commentary with us, like <laughs> right here in the lower right hand corner of your screen. <laughs> There is no way I see Sonia surviving this. Absolutely none, Jeff. He is, she's spent. I don't know why she's in the team. They need to pull her from the game. They're not going to go anywhere this season unless they pull her from the game. We need to make a trade with Pagong. <laughs> Let's get her for that BB. He's a go-getter. Yeah, the trade deadline is coming up. <laughs> they need to put cards on the table. We're sending you to the minors, Sonia. <laughs> oh, this is flame again. <laughs> oh, look at the torches. They're like those little things you buy from, I mean, I'll say bunnies, but it'd be what, Home Depot for you? Oh, look at this. The mist around the tribal council. And it's daylight when he's introducing tribal council. And the money? The million dollar chest. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> The dangerous hike. Actually, when they actually had to hike to Tribal Council and not just yeah. put in a car. <laughs> It'd be great if they got there and said, well, we were going to have a vote tonight, but unfortunately, Sonya was bitten by a snake and died <laughs> on the way. <laughs> oh. Wow. How long, how long of a hike was that? Oh, I don't know. I think it said like a couple of hours in the book. The one to in oh. Australia was a couple of hours. Look at these, like, I see torches. I <laughs> just... Because, yeah. I mean, like, now we know that, you know, you know the car or the boat ride <laughs> tribal, they're on a gag order. Oh, oh my God, they're gone. Yeah. Look at Jeff's Do you think they were given orders by Jeff? It's like, you need to be serious here. What if they just showed up and Sean's like, this place is so cool. <laughs> Somebody just grabs a handful of money and pockets it. Yeah. <laughs> just how casual he is. We're gonna begin with a but he, he, yeah, it's it's you could tell that he thinks this is corny. I think he's even said that. You know, he thought the whole tribal council idea was extremely corny, and he didn't know how to take it serious. And then, like you said, the 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 shell, the cocktail that they have to pass around. When they want to talk. I think they introduced that like you know, two or three episodes in because like we got to find ways to 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 liven up tribal council, but because nobody really wanted to talk. And you can even see in this first episode, he'll ask a question. Probes doesn't know to ask a direct question to somebody yet. 
So you'll have three or four people answering at one time. It's so crazy. Like, it's just, you know, just watching this based on what we know today. But I, I, I just love this. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I know people would be watching this now going, oh, God, I can't get through this. But I, mean, I almost this... feel like I want to watch the whole season. Me too. Or like, season me 40 too. Years. Yeah. All right, next week, episode two. <laughs> Fuck it, everything's cancelled. Australia, New Zealand, I don't need a Canada, I'm done. Lost recap, who gives a shit about them? Look at the Oscars, we've got a Gretchen. <laughs> I'm actually just on our good friends over at Survivor Wiki. Um, the I love how they've actually quoted us on their article for this episode. This episode was voted 7th best episode of all time in the top 25 greatest episodes of all time poll by Survivor Oz in 2015. Thanks, Survivor It wasn't Wiki. like the most idiotic commentary ever. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing too, like just with production of this, I mean, we now know that every single tribal, there will be a camera position for every single face. Whereas here, <laughs> you can clearly tell that just wasn't the case because of the way they sort of got the zooms on the, each of the players and... Just, I mean, I'm sure back then even, I don't know how often they would do things like a cutaway to a facial reaction that was clearly not from what was said and, you know, little yeah. tricks of the trade now that are just commonplace. Yeah, like, I always like to point those out when people will rush to judge, oh, this player rolled their eyes during tribal council, they're, they're a real jerk. And I'm like, why don't you look at the next shot where they're smiling? This is clearly pieced together, but like, you, you can't do that here. Mm. Or they just hadn't thought of it. This whole Probst tribal council. Really yeah, well, like, I'm concerned for his back. <laughs> I was gonna say this. This whole tribal is just Jeff explaining things. I know. Was it? Was yeah, it like, like two questions? <laughs> so the very first person to cast a vote ever in Survivor is Sue. There's a trivia question for someone. What is she wearing? The, the first ever person to spell a name wrong is Sue. <laughs> Is that a do rag? Uh, is that not the buff? No, that's a that's that is not her buff. That has got flower prints on it or something. See, and you know what? I'm gonna call this a little bit of a controversy here because I don't know if Sonya was voted out. I think Suna was voted out. <laughs> if you look closely, Suna. So uh, the the whole <laughs> the whole thing with this, and again, the book explains this, is that um. Stacy actually technically is the very first person to form an alliance because they basically formed a, a voting block with the women. Um, that, mm-hmm. And then they were going to be targeting Richard. But uh, obviously that clearly did, uh, didn't have Rudy. Sorry, Rudy was going to go because he was old. But um, <laughs> Richard was also on the chopping block. But um, yeah, Sue was sort of the first flip-flopper. So people who turn around and say like, oh no, Rob Sestanino was the first one to really flip-flop alliances. Well, in the very first episode... Sue voted sooner. <laughs> Look at the pieces of paper. Does Rudy have two there? <laughs> <laughs> See, more controversy. Killing trees. Greta Thunberg would hate this. How dare you? How dare you, you <laughs> two? You have taken away my childhood. <sighs> it's all Rudy's fault. And how many trees were killed for that chest full of cash? <laughs> yeah. How dare you, CBS? <laughs> Just think, back in the year 2000, she wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Good time. So it was okay to kill the trees here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, those were the days. 
Only the Oz Network could do a commentary on Survivor Borneo and bring up Greta Thunberg. <laughs> this is why we didn't do these commentaries all the time. We've got to Amazon and we just... I don't even know what we did during Amazon. I don't think we talked about the show once. Oh, who's, who's going to be, Colin? I'm nervous. Sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to do what he does in Thailand for the first time ever. I don't know if I can yeah, understand I this vote. <laughs> Who is Suna? <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny you brought up the Stacey thing because that becomes the thing when um, oh, I think it's the next episode, the one after that, where you can tell that she's playing the same thing on Kelly. It's like, mm. hey, we need to have the girls stick together. But Colin, all girls alliances are sexist. <laughs> Remember that. I, I, I just... Not to get on that debate or anything, but I did read a very interesting article uh, from a woman who said, well, there might be something to that because three times or four times in the history of the show, an all-female alliance is made to the end and only one time in 39 seasons did an all-male alliance make it to the end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But like here, it it goes all the way back. Like Literally the first episode. It's it's both ways, you know? And I think, for one thing, maybe if the show stopped making a big deal, maybe if production stopped making a big deal about it, then maybe the contestants wouldn't feel the need to go in there and, you know, align on whatever they can find commonality with. I just think... Um, look at the thing just sinking down to the... I remember doing these yeah. commentaries. I remember this. The the things... Oh, the first ever. Look at her. Oh, bless you, Sonia. She was a good Go interview. I think, didn't she sing on our episode with a ukulele? I don't remember. She did on one. There was definitely an episode she performed for us. Track it down, kids. <laughs> you tell us. We're too lazy to look through our own archives. Oh. Jeff is so bored. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll you take you back to camp and see you tomorrow for the next challenge. Just even though, like, the music, like, obviously we're getting the theme here, but the whole uh, tally the vote theme, which, when did we lose that? Like, we surely had that for at least 20 seasons. I don't think we lost it till around Heroes Villains. We might have still had it in Heroes vs. Villains, but just, just so epic. Like, this whole dramatic over-the-top music that we get now, it's just not the same. <laughs> Beep. Not in a homosexual way. Oh, Oh, I remember being so excited when I saw this. I'm like, a gross up food show because Fear Factor didn't exist at this point. Uh, Miss it. Bring back the gross food. Bring back gross food eating challenge. Bring back the auction and bring back Fallen Comrades. And bring back Suna. Suna. How old is Suna now? (laughs) She'd have to be in a. 80s now, wouldn't she? Uh, well, how old was she here? Late 60s? Uh, yes, yeah, she's 82 now. No, she turns 83 in 2020. Wow. There we go. She wasn't that old here. Well, she was, what's that make her? 63. That's That happens when you age. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to wrap my head around 
Does 63 look older then than it does now? <laughs> I do love on her trivia, oh no, on her post-survivor, um, she used $2,500 consolation prize uh, to finance the expansion of a Walnut Greek uh, Creek Church. Seven years after the show, her funds helped raise more than a million dollars. Wow. She appeared in an episode of the medical crime drama Diagnosis Murder. Ooh. Um, didn't know that. Um, we've never covered that before. Um, she attended the 10-year anniversary party, and in 2019, Sonia and few other Borneo Pridgery cast members met up in Clarksville for a reunion. Oh, and there's a picture of it. Wow. It's, it's Ramona, Sonia, Joel, Gretchen, and uh, Jervis. And that was in Clarksville. That's where I got to uh, stay with uh, Gretchen, actually. So, wow, there you go. And just... Um covering interviews i mean greg was obviously the big one but gretchen would probably have to be the second biggest i don't think she did any media really at all and not only did her interview turn out really great but i mean she came on the show a couple of times i mean you stayed with her so Mm. that's probably got to be one of the the biggest surprises out of this it almost got her back into survivor again didn't it she was that might have actually been the last one we ever like the last new one we ever did from memory um, but cause I think that just came about cause we discovered her on Twitter and, you know, she eventually said yes. And then from there, I remember like, cause she's a radio host now in Clarksville and mm-hmm. basically the next day she sort of messaged me and was like, oh, me and my co-host actually want to get you on our show today. Cause I had so much fun talking to you about Survivor. So would you like to come on our show? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And yeah, I struck up a bit of a friendship with her, went to Clarksville. I stayed with her and her co-host. They shared custody of me, as they like to joke. And um, I was actually with them. I was with Gretchen when Donald Trump got elected. Uh, So I was on the radio the next morning, the day after. And they were just like in mourning. They were like, oh, we're so sorry, Ben, that you're here for this. (laughs) Like, we don't know what to say. Did they blame you for it? Probably. Uh, As soon as I left the studio, they probably did. But... um, yeah, great. I don't know if she, she doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention to the show much, like she does every now and then. Because when I was actually the night I stayed with her, the Survivor was on that night, and they didn't have a TV, so we couldn't watch it. So um, I had to basically wait for it was on CBS a little bit later that night to watch it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, look, just again, this cast just bring like how is Richard not on this? God, fuck you, Dan. Like, um, come on. Ah, oh, so sad. We got nobody. Like it, it seems wrong that we are going into the twentieth anniversary, and I I just hope that they do. I don't want another returning player season after this. But if you're going to do something, bring one player back from Borneo, or bring two players. Bring back Ramona and Dirk. You know, for season forty-one, because just it doesn't seem right to be celebrating the twentieth anniversary of the fortieth season and have no connection to the first year. And it's what's so frustrating that, like, the week we've recorded this, the majority of all the press has come out around you know the the cast and everything. And like, I love Jeff. I'm you know one of his few defenders left still, but it's hard to defend him when you hear some of his comments and just you know, he should be the one who's advocating the most for OG people because he's basically, you know, the one who has been there from the beginning. And, I mean, you're right. Like, this is just, like, Heroes vs. Villains. At the time, that felt wrong not having someone from Borneo on there. Mm -hmm. And here we are still. I mean, we have had, what, two people come back from Borneo since Heroes vs. Villains and Kelly and Jervis. But, I mean, it's just, it just feels wrong. We should be having someone from the original season. There should be there. Because, like, if this was... 
I don't know, a scripted show and it was entering their 40th season they're doing a celebratory season and maybe it's their last season. They always try and get former cast members like ER did it. You know, George Clooney, Juliana Marguerite, mm-hmm. they came back in that last season for one episode, you know, even no matter how big they were at the time. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've, is this, we've had what, six, seven come back from Borneo at least so we've nearly had half the cast come back but you'd yeah. still easily other people to come back. How is it? I mean, again, Richard, the fact that Richard hasn't come back for a third time, seriously. Well, now we'll probably never get him back. <laughs> We've had Candace play three so. times. Oh, yeah. God. Anyway. Well, thanks for ending on a positive note, Ben. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's just, it's not right. It's not right. I'm not that we're actually going to do this, but I'm totally going to finish watching at least Borneo in the next couple of weeks. Like, it, it's 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 a, it's the only season that is a completely different season than you ever see on Survivor. I look, I I would love to. I I really sort of in rewatching some of these clips that have come out for season forty, um, it really has wet my appetite to kind of go back and and do a full rewatch you know, soon, but it's, it's not something I'm going to commit to yet. But, um, yeah, I mean, watching this today is, has really gotten me, you know, in the mood and in the zone. And it just, I like that feeling of, this is why I love this show, you know, like 39 was a real negative spin and it did make a lot of us rethink whether we want to keep watching this show or not. But mm-hmm. we've at least got these seasons we can fall back on and realize how great the show. And this is, this is what I'm honestly hoping season 40 will be. I'm really hoping we finally get a really great season for the first time in a very long time. Uh, how many weeks? I don't even know when this episode is going up, but how many weeks do we have left until season four? Uh, I believe this would be week three, Colin, if my uh, mass in my head is working out. So oh, I believe we have one more. I that is our rankings one next week. Uh, how oh, good were the first two? But yeah, talk about the amazing. rankings next week, Colin, because you're going to be on this I one. was apparently... Oh, I was apparently on one of the previous weeks and didn't remember it. Uh, you were the yeah. Oslet episode last week. All those things <laughs> you said right. about oh. memories. Wow. Ask me in 30 minutes what I said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but next week we have the ultimate one, which uh, the Greg interview, obviously the most downloaded interview of all time. I don't know what the downloads were interviews compared to this, but probably the biggest thing we ever did on Survivor Oz was the cast rankings. Uh, where at the time we ranked 400-something contestants from I don't know how many seasons. I believe. Oh, it was nuts. And it was hours upon hours, almost as many hours it took us to get through Star Wars, except it was done over the course of like two weeks as opposed to two months. Uh, but it, it, we're kind of bringing that back. We don't want to rank all the contestants again um, or even do an updated one because we don't care as much about the more recent contestants. <laughs> but instead, what we're going to do is we're going to rank the seasons. Uh, so seasons one through 39, same format we used before. So if you like the rankings cast, then um, I don't even I, – I, I can't even begin to count how people say, oh, yeah, you know, my favorite thing you guys ever did was a rankings cast. Or you know, bring up, oh, I started listening to you guys because of the rankings cast. We're going to use the format where you know we'll nominate something and there's an opportunity to veto. And I think there's – me, you, and Nick, is that right? That is correct. So you and I are back, um, and then Nick makes his debut. I mean, we kind of did the player one slightly ahead of season 35, and that was Paul and I. Um, we got input from mm-hmm. you and Noah, I believe, as well. Um, but, yeah, no, just Nick, and um, I'm hoping we can keep it uh, <laughs> under 34 hours this uh, time. 
Uh, let's hope so. Um, we should. And then- Famous last words, but we should. <laughs> Come on. And then that, that should get everybody ready for um, season 40 as we're getting much closer to winners at war, all winners, uh, not Richard Hatch, uh, <laughs> not Tina Wesson, but Ethan Zahn and many others. And Amber. And lots to get excited about. And lots of other people. <laughs> oh, uh, poor Amber. <laughs> Come on, that video got you a bit excited for Amber. She looks amazing. Anyways, we'll be back. <laughs> I love you, Amber. <laughs> and um, I guess at the time we're in this, are we almost done Oscars month? Um, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting close to Oscars month, or we just finished. And wasn't that a shocker when Best Picture went to Insert Movie Here? Oh, uh, we got lots the emoji of movie, Canada. finally. Yeah. Uh, Canada versus Australia month, or Canada slash Australia month, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a couple of Canadian and Australian movies coming up. Lots of fun stuff. Uh, so make sure, as always, to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, wherever else you could find us. My name is Colin, also known as Suna. And my name is Boona. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.